As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I break down the Sixers acquisition of DeAnthony Melton, what he adds to the team, what role he can fill, and how that impacts the moves the Sixers make for the rest of the offseason. Enjoy the podcast. We could get a perimeter defender. Um, maybe for draft pick. We'd feel very good about that. Um, you know, I think... Uh, Someone like that is something that could really contribute and be a uh, you know two-way player. Uh, someone like that would be a really nice addition. That was Sixers President of Basketball Operations, Daryl Morey, talking about the acquisition of the Anthony Melton, except he wasn't allowed to talk about the acquisition of the Anthony Melton because even though we stuck around until, what, probably about 1.30 a.m. in the morning at that point, the trade wasn't official and the league doesn't allow you to comment on trades that have not yet been made official. But Rich and I get a chance to talk about the the, the Anthony Melton trade. We are not under any such obligations or or league rules. So we will talk, uh, spend this podcast talking about the Sixers trade where they acquired 24-year-old guard DeAnthony Melton for Danny Green and the 23rd overall pick. How you doing, Rich? Derek, I'm good. You know what Daryl Morey called that? He called that a Giambi press conference. (laughs) Yes. Did you get that reference? It took me a Google search. I did not get that in real time, no. But I do remember it when he gave a a very awkward. This is Jason Giambi, by the way. A not very the one, not aw- the one that Philly gets because we always get the wrong brother. We get the worst one. Who did Jeremy. he take? Star- did he take steroids too? I don't know. But that's what this press conference was about with Jason Giambi, where he basically said after a report leaked that his uh, federal grand jury testimony that yeah he had taken steroids. He said he was sorry to everybody. He said he was uh he had let everybody down, but he would not say why he, he did yeah. it. Yep. So I think I think that was a very old uh, old reference, which is uh which is funny. By the way, r- real quick when I think of Jason Giambi, Moneyball, great movie. Uh I I haven't read the book in a long time. Th- they do kind of gloss over the fact that they had like Barry Zito on the team and Mark Mulder and those yeah. guys like, like yeah, Scott Hatterberg and all those guys are pretty David justice, good signings. Billy beans, great general manager for a long time. 
they, they had some pretty good players on the team. That, that they was, did. They did. that's my one issue with it. So, uh, yeah, DeAnthony Melton. Where, where, I guess there's not that many different ways to start off. Um, overall, uh, what are your overall impressions? Was it the right move to make? What were you thinking as the draft was breaking down? Is this the direction they should have gone? I think for the most part, I view this move as a positive. Um, so does it remind you at all of the 2020 draft a little bit where the guy who Melton was traded for, they got Danny Green for Al Horford and also the Seth Curry trade where it feels like they really went after fit with their yeah. role player. Yeah. And and I think the similarity to Curry for me is that DeAnthony Melton is on a good contract, I yep. would say. $8 million for the next two years. Next year is not even guaranteed. It might as well be because he's not getting waived. Like you said, that yeah. is a team-friendly contract. I think $1.5 million of that is guaranteed. The only way that comes into factor is if he has like a catastrophic career-ending injury. Mm-hmm. So, look, they'll have protection on that. But, you know, he's the... And he's also a, a mid-level contract, which we say they don't yep. have a lot of. They, by the way, they still don't have a lot of them because they got rid no. of Danny Green, yep. who was their other mid-level contract. So... One for one trade in uh in that regard. But you know, I, I think in general he's the type of skill set that you look to put around James yeah. Harden and Tyrese Maxey yep. and, and Joel Embiid, where what the one let's go to his weakness right away. Like what what is he not good at? He's not his ball skills Can't are dribble. not yeah, yeah, not a good his passer. Ball skills, they're yeah. not great. Not By a the good pull up shooter. He can't dribble. I mean, yeah. like, look, this is a this That's, is a like for like trade. <laughs> I think he could dribble a little bit better than Danny can. Yeah, but, I, I mean, agree. I agree. That is the lowest of low bar. Also, a little better than Matisse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I guess before we get any further, uh, shout out to Danny Green. Yeah. Contract guaranteed. Yep. And that look, is yeah. somebody we like. Doesn't somebody impact who the has Sixers in luck. any way. That is on the, the Grizzlies cap sheet. But for a guy who had his season and at his age, you always worry it could be a career ender with the ACL and the LCL tail, tear. Probably won't be back until the All-Star break or at the earliest. To have that happen months before his non-guaranteed contract uh, kicked in, to have that guaranteed, for sure. Nice to see. That that was really cool. That was honestly one of the first things I thought. I was like, man, that's awesome for Danny. Because guess what? He would have gotten that contract guaranteed if they didn't play a game six. in yeah. uh, Because he was, he was he worth that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So good, good to see for him. Good. Uh, I saw Harrison Sanford tweeting about it. He was he was pretty happy. I think he said shout out to Daryl Morey, uh, which is which is good. Uh, okay, so so back to Melton. Yeah, what can he not do? Can't dribble. Not a great pull up shooter. Not a great. The Sixers passer. have to have a couple of players who can't dribble. It's it's in the bylaws of the NBA. It's absolutely. Would it be great if they had five players in a lineup who could all dribble at the same time. I don't think that's hurting anything. And look, to be honest, like we're comparing him to Danny Green and Matisse Leibel. I think he's a better ball handler than that. If he is your only bad ball handler, you can pro you can survive. It's not as debilitating as the other two. But what can he generally do? He can really defend from the guard position. The, uh, you know, I, I remember him being a pesky on ball defender, but man, I mean, when you look at that cleaning the glass page, his uh, yeah, his steal and block rates are yep. absurd, and they've been absurd. That's not a a three point shooting was fluky in one year. No, they're good every. Yep, he is yep. somebody who can wreak havoc in the passing lanes, and I, I believe... think he can defend on ball pretty well too. A pesky on ball defender, I think he does a pretty good job getting through screens. He's a pretty well rounded defender. 
That's the only knock against him defensively is, you know, he's 6'3", but he has a pretty good, um, you know, what is it, like a 6'8", 6'8.5 wingspan, where yep. he can defend a little taller than his listed height. Probably defends more like a 6'4", 6'5 guy, so he has a little bit of versatility. But key, enough height where you can put him next to Tyrese Maxey in the backcourt. Put him next to James Harden. I think he fits next to both of them pretty well. And what else can he do? He can make shots. He, uh, Which was not a given when he came in the league. Terrible shooter at, at USC. Terrible shooter his first two years in the, the league. He came out last two years, has made, I think, just under 39% from three. Right around 50%, like 48, 49% from the corners. Pretty good catch and shoot numbers the last two years. Re- really good. Over 1.187 each of the last two years. Both of those are, are excellent marks. Can't really shoot off the dribble, but that's fine because you're asking him to be a role player. You're not asking him to create off the bounce. You're not asking him to create out of pick and rolls. You're asking him to stand in the corner, make shots, maybe attack the closeout if it's there and he's feeling a little bit adventurous. Not too adventurous because that can be one of his problems. But attack the closeout if it's there and defend on the other end. Uh, and hopefully that's all he has to do. I think he can fill that role. And I think it's a good acquisition. When we, when, If you go back to the last pod release earlier in this week, when we were looking at potential fits, that's what we were looking for. And again, we went back and said, you need someone that was tall enough to play alongside of Tyrese Maxey, but who can play off the ball, who can shoot, and who can defend. And you got it. You got it while keeping, you know, he's still young, only 24 years old. Still cost-controlled with two years and $16 million left. Not as, not as cost-controlled as a you know, first-round pick, obviously, but you're getting a guy who's ready to step in right now. Uh, I think, it, and especially when you started looking, you know, after we finished the um, podcast last time, I really sat down and, like, put my big board together. And it seemed like my entire big board went off the board between, like, picks, like, 15 and 22. It and I'm looking at like, it. It kept being, like, Tari Eason and... Uh... And Jalen Williams, where it's just like, yeah, those guys are going to be gone. Yeah, no, if like someone like that fell, like what I feel differently about the trade, maybe even still, like I think I think Melton is a player who could step in right now, so I think that would have had value. But when I started looking at the prospects left, like outside of EJ Liddell, who fell to what forty one, yeah, and quite frankly, like I don't think he's more of a four or five, and I don't think that was your big, that was probably your least need anyway. There really wasn't any ready made contributor left, or anybody with any real upside that I had a lot of confidence in. Um, so I think with the way the draft was breaking with Williams and Easton, um, with even LaRavia and Bronham going before them and Terry, like there was just a lot of the guys that I was interested in were off the board for them to get. I mean, how many real rotation players were traded last night? Was Anthony Melton the only one? I think he was the most impactful. Maybe next year yeah. player that got traded the whole the whole draft, which is. It's a little crazy because there were a lot of trades, but it was a lot of draft pick type of trades and a lot of, you know, Kemba Walkers being involved and stuff like that. No, I think it was it was just wild how the Sixers had that trade right away. And for once, they weren't the team with the complicated trade. It was just very straightforward. It was just Danny Green and that pick for DeAnthony Melton. We would rather have the more ready made guy, Memphis for Whatever deficiency reasons, I know we struggled in the playoffs over the last year, said we'd rather have the pick. We'd rather take a swing on a bigger wing. And uh, they they picked David Roddy. So, yeah, yeah, I think I think he's the most impactful guy. Yeah. And look, there are going to be times throughout the, the year that we're just going to like, I'm going to punch my desk and be like, what are you fucking doing when you dribble the ball? Or what kind of a pass was that? Or maybe he'll <laughs> go through a cold spell where he can't shoot. Because when he can't shoot, like his offensive value drops precipitously. Like it can get frustrating, I think, his offensive game. You've seen that in playoff two years. 
and we'll probably get to that in a little bit. But when you're looking at the expectations for the 23rd pick, I think this was a pretty good outcome. And I think perhaps, Key, and you sort of alluded to this earlier, you know, one thing with the draft, we always said this was a, they only have one draft pick they can really trade until 2029. And the moment you select a player, that pick loses value pretty quickly. This is a guy who I think is going to have value, real trade value at the deadline next summer. Like, even if it doesn't work out, or even if you want to make a bigger move, you have more value now in a trade than you had coming into yesterday, uh, which I think is maybe not the primary focus, but I think something, you know, we talked about this a couple podcasts back, where we said, I think Daryl Morey's goal this summer has to be to improve their depth. But I also think they need to retain flexibility and make moves that will end up being more valuable when they go to trade them the next time so that Daryl Moore can keep his eyes focused on acquiring a star-level talent because he's always going to do that. I think I think DeAnthony Melton will be worth more in six months than the 23rd pick and Danny Green. And I think with that contract, you're now a little more flexible. Yeah, I I feel like uh, I feel pretty good about these trades that Mori has made, in part because he made those Curry and Green trades a couple years ago, and those worked out well. Like the Sixers were a better basketball team because of those those trades. They were uh, they set them up for success over the next two years. Their star players, unfortunately, did not hold up their end of the bargain to uh, to support those trades. Were you uh, were you surprised at all? It just felt like good value, honestly. It just yeah. felt like. When that trade first came down, my first thought was, and and I, look, I do not think DeAnthony Melton is um, a future all-star or no. anything like that, but especially when you look at his contract being so easy to, I mean, it's that's a good deal. That's a positive value contract. It just felt like that's all it takes, Danny and the 23rd pick. And I mean, thank, thank God Memphis really, really wanted... David Roddy, I guess, but I, I'm a little surprised that they couldn't get more for him, even if I think DeAnthony Melton is a player. DeAnthony Melton on this Sixers team can make a much bigger impact than he could on that Memphis team because he got squeezed. There's a lot of guards, yep. a lot of athleticism on that team. Um, but but still, I, I was still wondering, like, that's it? That's all it took? Yeah, no, I, he wasn't necessarily on my radar. Um, it was a little surprising that it was that cheap. Uh, I think they did a good job. Um, because we always worry, like, how much value do these draft picks actually have? Like, some year they just don't have value. A lot of people were talking about next year's draft being better and people waiting out for that one. Uh, we alluded to this a couple podcasts ago. We were talking about it a little bit with Kyle Newbeck there uh, last night at the training complex. It feels like every year next year's draft class is listed as great and talked about as great. But I do think that sentiment was out there. And then it happens and it sucks. Yep. But I do think that sentiment was out there. You didn't know how much value these picks in the 20s would have this year. Uh, I think they got good value for it, for sure. And again, that doesn't mean that um, DeAnthony Melton is a perfect player or that he won't frustrate you. He's not, and he probably will. But for what they had to work with, I think they did okay. Better than okay. I think they did good. Look, we talked about they had four and a half players that you are, are comfortable and playing yeah. in, a, in a playoff series. And even though De'Anthony Melton has struggled in the playoffs, I'm still going to say, look, that's a 15-game sample size. I, I like what he brings to the table for the most part. And considering the Sixers, I mean, they're just lack of resources. I Look, I, I feel pretty confident saying they're up to five and a half. And that's, look, they, they still need to keep going. They still need to, to do well. Uh, I, I guess we can pivot a little bit now to the one downside to this trade, in my opinion. And that is 
positionally, there's a little bit of overlap here. And by trading Danny Green, who you could play with Maxi Embiid and Harden, you could, you could realistically slot him in at the three. I'm not sure you could do that with Melton. Melton, I think at his best, is a great fit with both Maxi and Harden separate. Not both of them, yep. I agree. Now look, I agree. Look, it's the modern NBA. We just saw the Warriors and Jordan Poole makes a bunch. Of, if if there is a game where DeAnthony Melton is popping threes, and you know maybe the other team has a like a, a non-threatening four man who Harden can guard a little bit easier, is there a chance that all three of them can play together? Yeah, and and I bet you there are some situations where you can see that. Like you said, Melton has very long arms as well. He can guard up a little bit because of that but primarily i see the guy who when one of maxi and harden are on the floor melton is with both of them and and he is the guy taking the other team's best point guard he is the guy who has to get over the screen when joel Embiid is in drop coverage he is um yeah he, he is the guy who's going to take that and then he, he he takes uh he takes off on the other end he'll run in transition and then he could stand in the corner and make threes like you said his uh his shooting numbers from there are pretty good. So that's a little bit of a downside in that you are paying $8 million, which is a, a fine salary slot for a third guard. Like, I don't think that's bad. But because the Sixers are so unbelievably thin on the wing right now, yeah. and let's let's say what they have right now. They have Matisse Thibel. They have Tobias Harris. I mean, Matisse Thibel, we don't even know if he can play. I mean, he can play in the regular season, but again, bring, brings us problems. Tobias Harris, that's fine. Like, he'll help you. And you have George Niang, who is a specialist kind of in the background. Look, I, I think moving forward here, and I, I don't want to jump too far into that, but but I think every move the Sixers make has to be to bolster that 3-4 Yeah, if you're not 6-7, they're not interested. Yeah. Um, and we even go back to our end of season, like we were talking about, well, we don't really trust George Niang because of his defense in the playoffs. We don't really trust um, Matisse Leibel in the playoffs because of his offense. One of the few people we trusted was Shake Milton. Well, you're really, really good. Yeah. Like really good. You, you really only have Not two a great trade for bench Shake. players, maybe a third if you want to count Paul Reed, who you even have a tiny bit of confidence in in the playoffs, and two of them are on the perimeter. Um, there's just not a lot of versatility, of positional versatility on the squad right now. And I, yeah, I, I, and I agree with the way you phrase that. I think he can play alongside. One of Tyrese Maxey or James Harden, I'm not sure both, outside of spot instances. And that's a that's a concern. They need another wing or two, ideally. And they don't have a lot of flexibility to get that. And and you bringing up Shake, I think, is a good point. Because we, we phrase Shake Milton as, okay, you know, this team has limited resources. They have to try to maximize what they have with, with what little they have to trade. Shake Milton, to me could have played this DeAnthony Melton role, and I would have said, fine. You know, he could have been the third guard, the guy who plays with uh, with Maxi, with Harden. Now, maybe Shake becomes a little more expendable if another team is uh, is interested in him now. But yeah, there is a little bit of overlap here. And that, to me, is the one big negative, is that, like, man, I just wish DeAnthony Melton was like, three inches taller, yep. you know, something like that. But then again, if he was three inches taller, he probably wouldn't have been on the move and, uh, and available. So that, that's the one downside I see. And look, we can't judge it. I think until, uh, until we see the end of free agency here with, uh, 
you know, you had Daryl Morey afterwards in his Giambi press conference. He did talk about how there are about eight or 12 guys who are uh, available with, I think he described it like the constraints that we're working with, you know, the, the CBA. Um, why, why don't you explain that real quick? Why, uh, with this move, because we have been talking about this big mid-level exception, why that is probably not going to be available. To yeah, them. well, I, I think what's interesting, because there are two rumors that came out this week. First, P.J. Tucker opting out of his, what, I think, $7.4 million contract for next season. Immediately, the Sixers, both by Keith Pompey and Mark Stein, were linked to him. And immediately, there was a three-year, $30 million framework thrown out there as a possible contract for P.J. Tucker. And then there was also... A lot of rumors, again, largely from Keith Pompey, that the Sixers were in talks with the Rockets for Eric Gordon. Well, first of all, right off the top, um, the Melton trade pretty much crosses Gordon off the list, in part because he's another 6'3 guard um, with a little different skill sets. What salary are you matching? Well, that's what I was getting to. In order to acquire, um, take back Gordon's $19.6 million contract, you have to send out somewhere in the $15, $15.5 million range in salary yourself to make that legal under the CBA. You start looking up, without Danny Green's $10 million contract, there's really no way to get to $15.5 million without making it a larger deal that includes Tobias Harris. And there's no reason that the Rockets would want Tobias Harris. Maybe you can make it a three-team, but that would be a much more consequential trade than the versions of a Eric Gordon acquisition we were thinking of before. So I think you can pretty much safely cross him off the list unless talks about Tobias Harris really start picking up steam here over the next couple of weeks. And quite frankly, if they trade Tobias Harris, positionally, you're probably not looking at Eric Gordon anyway. So cross that one off the list. P.J. Tucker, you know, in order to sign P.J. Tucker to a three-year, $30 million contract, you need the bigger of the two mid-level exceptions. That means it would hard cap you at that $155 million apron. Right now, the Sixers are, I believe, right around $151 million in salary cap commitments to 13 players. So they cannot, obviously, then, if you use that that mid-level, you have to remain under $155 million. They can't do that and remain under $155. There is some things that could happen, um, or a combination of things that could happen or things we don't know about. Maybe James Harden does opt out, even though all the reporting has suggested he will opt in and then extend. If he opts out, takes a lower salary, you could trim a couple million off that way. If, um, you know, you trade Furkan Korkmaz and George Niang in the cap space, you could theoretically, and maybe Matisse Thibel, you could clear a little bit of room. You could theoretically clear enough room where you could offer that mid-level, could offer that three years, $30 million. Um, it's not completely off the table. It is tougher now that you took back salary for Danny Green's $10 million non-guaranteed. I My gut tells me I don't think Daryl Morey's going to be constrained by the hard cap for P.J. Tucker. Even if you could find someone to take Thibel and Korkmaz off of his hands, which you'd be losing two rotation-ish players. Especially, especially Thibel, a regular season rotation sure. player. That's, that's an important role considering how much you're lacking it and right now on the roster. Tucker an upgrade? Yes. But I think Daryl Morey's the type, and this is just sort of like a read I get both from his moves in the past and also in conversation. I think he views that restriction as pretty severe, especially when you're talking about the potential of a, you know, a guy who's again, we we say this all the time, but he's always superstar hunting. And when you start talking about trading contracts that large, you need a little bit of space under a hard cap to be able to take back more salary, at least have flexibility to do so. If the trade demands it, if he can avoid it 
And maybe there's a chance where if they don't find a trade for um, Danny Green, if th- this Melton thing didn't come to pass, if they you know waived him and cleared that space, maybe they would have looked at it and said, okay, well now since that trade didn't happen, now let's get that extra veteran with that bigger mid-level. Um, but now that I think they got Melton, my gut, and it's just my gut, is that they will use the lower taxpayer mid-level, not become hard cap, and just then not really look to move Thibel as aggressively as they otherwise would have. Um, it is, again, it is theoretically possible you could clear enough space to just use the non-taxpayer mid-level. My gut tells me I don't think that's the path Maury's going to take. Yeah, and, and who knows if it's the right move or not, too. It's, you know, I, I think sometimes when we talk about this, it's like, oh, he won't have the the higher mid-level available to him. Well, that could be the right move because, like you said, if you have if you do use that higher mid-level, you become hard capped and it's very restricting. And you don't even know if that player is going to be as good as somebody you could get for the mini mid-level. So yeah, that's uh look, I, so so what do you think about uh about Tucker's fit on this team? I, I like it actually. I yeah, think a no, lot of I, people I like him too. I worry tremendously because you're talking about a three-year deal for a guy who's 37. I worry about that final year. You'd love to get sure. some of that non-guaranteed. Next year, I think he would certainly help them and, and help them more than Korkmaz or Thibel or Niang, certainly help them more than any of them individually. I think, and this is why it's not, I don't think, a clear, like, I, I think they're going to compromise their depth if they are not able to use that, that non-taxpayer. And I think right now they're not going to be able to use that, um, or at least Maury's not going to be comfortable making the moves necessary to use that. But I, I do think it comes at a cost. I do think uh, Tucker would be more helpful than any of the guys we mentioned, for sure. Yeah, I, I like Tucker. And, you know, I think there have been a lot of jokes over the past couple of days about, oh, no, they're going to they're going to reassemble the 2018 Houston yeah. Rockets, yep. which, by the way, w- w- one quick aside on that. I don't think it would be a wise move to reassemble the 2018 Houston Rockets. But like, there's a slight difference. You've got a seven foot two difference in there too. And also, let's not slander. I think that's one of the three or four best basketball teams of the past decade. I mean, if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt, I actually think they beat the. Or if they they make like one or two threes instead of missing a billion in a row in that game seven, they beat the Golden State Warriors, who are the greatest team I've ever seen in my life. So I. I just think like a little less slander for that team is probably fair. That was that was an awesome basketball team, but like you said, it's it's uh, it's four years later, and PJ Tucker is thirty seven. That contract nope. is scary, but like but look, I um I agree with Joel Embiid is his general sentiment with the uh, with what the kids say. Man, he's got that dog in him. He's a I look. He is a tough playoff competitor who you can throw on the other teams. Best player. And he might be 37, but he out-hustled the entire fucking Sixers team. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, some of the things that the Sixers have sucked out of time, like offensive rebounding, little winning plays. I even thought with Miami, he showed he could do not a ton more, but he could he could make some plays when players get doubled. He doesn't need his feet cemented into the ground, which is all he did with Harden, which he probably would do here anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I actually think he would be a good guy to sign. I just... I think it's a it's a good thought by you to say I'm not sure Daryl Morey will take the penalty of yeah. being hard capped to uh to sign him. Now, if there are a couple moves like a Thibel move or or some other salary cap move that is just unforeseen and it it clears enough money where getting Tucker is feasible, I definitely think there would be interest there from the uh yep. 
from the Sixers. And it's it's curious to see with I mean with Tucker opting out, you know, he clearly thinks he can get added years on. I mean, he opted out of seven million dollars. So and, and there has been reporting that the full mid level will be available to him from some team. It's just it's very interesting that that team, for the most part, has been the Sixers as the report. And right yep. now, they do not have that. They don't have it. So, and what I think, uh, I think the taxpayer mid level would be somewhere around like the three years, like twenty one million ish range. Would he um, take the years? Like I don't know. Yeah. But it for, and look for less money. I don't know. Again, it's not that the taxpayer or non taxpayer mid level is completely off the board, but I think it's gotten significantly less likely significantly more difficult and i think maury's motivation for it will have dropped because of the acquisition of melton it's still technically possible um but i think it's more likely they use a taxpayer mid-level don't become hard capped unless something with tobias harris does come to pass because again you're sending out 37 million dollars not going salary if you have a trade where you bring back i don't know exactly what the minimum you can bring back but it might be something like 30 million dollar range if you can trim 7 million off all of a sudden maybe that becomes possible but as things currently stand, I would be surprised if they uh, make the moves necessary to use that. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. How about uh, how about Josh Harris's helicopter flying away the the second the Melton trade hit? Yeah, you know, that was yeah. that's when you knew it was not going to be the type of draft night that we've had in the past, where 
you know, we're, we're worried about all these second-round picks. Colangelo's talking about dust settling, all of this crazy stuff where, you know, they make the Melton trade. It's a guy we've heard of. It's a nice night, and Harris is just like, all right, I'm out of here. I'm flying to some soccer field somewhere in, uh, <laughs> in North Jersey. I, it really uh, is. like, And look, I get why he – if you have helicopter money, I guess you probably care about your time a lot. It does look like some movie supervillain type shit to be flying and really working on a helicopter. It's like Bond villain type shit, yeah. Uh, it's so, so basically, though, I, I do think if it's not P.J. Tucker, like you said – I think whatever moves they make, I, like let's say they use the the mini mid level, I would expect them if they do use that to use the full thing and get the best three four they can get at this point, um, and that would mean Tobias Harris is still here. Which again, we you know as we talked about in the stay or go pod, it, it's not ideal. It, it would be it would be more ideal if you could break Tobias into. Um, into two separate role players and to fulfill the three and D roles a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, if he and Thibel are, are going to be here, I, I think you need to load up brother on the, on the three fours. And frankly, not only is it the mini mid level, they're going to have to hit on a minimum signing, I think as well yeah. uh, with, with the minimum contracts, which has been done. Like, look, you look at golden state last year, they signed Otto Porter for the minimum and that guy helped them through a lot of the playoffs. So it can be done. And hopefully, you know, more touch on this a little bit when you are offering minimum contracts out and players are, they're weighing offers from a bunch of different teams. <laughs> the Sixers, their, their lack of depth here could be an asset where they could say, Hey, like we're going to give you a minimum contract, but we're going to give you a real role. Uh, you, you might be able to cash in next season. So that's, that's where they stand right now. And that, that is the one I would say, slight negative of the mountain deal where I, I just see a, a pretty gaping hole on this roster right now at the, uh, at the wing position. And you know, that is what it is. It, you know, it, it, can it be solved during the season? Maybe, you know, maybe. And I think it's more of a, more of a playoff issue. Yeah. I think it's more of a playoff issue yeah. right now. So yeah. I, I think they can, th- there are enough good players like, like Niang and Thibel. Like we said, I, I don't view them as, as big playoff contributors, but in a regular season rotation, they're they're fine to add depth. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I see their biggest hole as right now. Yeah, and we will have um, you know free agency starts here next Thursday. They can technically start uh, technically because nobody talks beforehand. All of those deals just get announced within a minute. It's always easy to uh, negotiate a hundred million dollar contract in the matter of a minute. But technically, they can start talking uh, at what I think six p.m. next Thursday. Uh, something in that time frame it might be 5 p.m. I think it's 6 p.m. Uh, it doesn't matter. I think, I think it's six. Good, good job to the NBA by not making me stay up that late. Unlike last night, yeah. eight o'clock start. What are we doing, people? Come on. Yeah, I was. Uh, this old man was definitely tired by the end of it. Um, that but- was a, that was a two coffee night for me. Which, <laughs> and by the way, two coffees. Like I usually tell you, I'm not. I'm not Mr. Jimmy Butler drinking 18 cups of coffee a day. Like I'm not you either. You know, how many I cups of coffee you drink? Yeah, where. If I usually drink more than, you know, one coffee a day, I really struggle to go to sleep. Not last night. I was out like a light after that, man. No, every every game night, especially when I'm there at the uh, arena, is a two coffee night for me. Uh, I can Oof. fall asleep within seconds of my head hitting the desk. It's been one of my great superpowers. It's not you're a superpower. An, you're an Avenger, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. Sleep, man. What's not a superpower is I am a uh, very much a morning person working a field where. Um, 
all this stuff happens at night, but it is a, a trade-off. Um, but yeah, we will have another podcast sort of talk about maybe some of the Sixers potential fits, and then they can officially sign a contract, what I think about a week later after the moratorium. So we have a little bit of time here. Next week, we'll get into a bunch of the free agency talk. But in terms of, I guess, sort of wrapping up this night, or at least the draft, to your point, I think there's very much a imbalance on the roster. But there is an imbalance on the roster coming in. And if that avail- yeah. if they I they shouldn't have taken a worse player just because they're taller. So I think there is a role for, for Melton. Um, I'm going to have to struggle not to say Milton on the podcast because they're a little mm. bit too close, both in size, in game, and in name. But I think if it, you shouldn't take in a worse player, uh, figure out how to make this work here in free agency, in trades, maybe even in in-season trades. They have a little bit of time, but I agree with you. In the playoffs, there's there's definitely uh, work to be done. It, it could be worse, too. You could be covering a team with two guys named Jalen Williams. Oh, my God. I Oof. couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah. Or, or, so, or a guy named uh, Ochi Abaji, as you proved last <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. Now, I think that's a, a good way to wrap it up. I, I guess just for a couple minutes here, because I, I don't think we have a, a ton else to offer on this subject, but just needs to be mentioned because it's a pretty important figure on the team. Michael Rubin's going to sell his shares, his uh, his 10% ownership yep. of the Philadelphia 76ers. He, uh, I think... Pretty much everybody listening to this podcast knows who he is. He's a very public, front-facing guy who runs Fanatics and has made that a very, very wealthy company um, over the years. And the explanation is basically that he wants, and you know, Michael Rubin is a pretty ambitious guy, that he wants to break into pretty much every facet of sports, including gambling, including licensing deals with individual players. And the explanation was that that will be a conflict of interest for somebody who owns a basketball team. So only a 10% stake, but I would say he, he probably... Only a 10% stake, but I think that was the third largest stake in the team. Yeah. Yeah, behind Blitzer and Harris. Harris and yep. for somebody who had a 10% stake, he was very involved and very public-facing. So... It's uh you know it seems like he's still going to be around the arena but he's just not officially going to be a part of the team. Thought it was interesting. I think it was in Yaron Weitzman's yep. story. This was a very interesting paragraph in my opinion on uh, on Fox Sports. To that point, according to multiple sources, the league office recently told Harris that Ruben, freed from the constraints of the league's collective bargaining agreement and anti-tampering laws, will be able to help the Sixers more than ever. That is uh, funny. I don't know. Hey, it's like if the Raptors can have Drake, I guess Sixers can have Michael Rubin. Worldwide Rubin, yeah. Yep. He, uh, so it, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, and look, he is like you said. He's very involved. He's very present. You see him at, I would say most games, uh, sitting there courtside with somebody famous <laughs> almost every time. It's either it's a rapper or Guy Fieri or a politician. Meek is his best friend. So, yeah. Or a Boston know. sports owner, you know. Oh, yeah. Bob Kraft. Yeah. But yeah, no, it, definitely. It, we'll see how it shakes out and how, how around the team he is. But definitely, a, uh, I mean, it's a, like I said, he was a third largest shareholder who was very present and very involved. So, definitely an impact. All right. I think that's probably just about all that I have. We will have another podcast here early next week, certainly before free agency starts. Uh, Mm -hmm. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.